goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome, my friends, to the Friday edition of Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. Amazing how quickly these weeks are going by. Do you believe... I mean, how many shopping days left? Already, we are closing in on the end of the year, and what a bang. If you look at some of the headlines today regarding Hunter Biden, wow. Okay, if you want to be on the program, discuss that, discuss anything else. 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. And this is a big day in the music history. I mean, we've got so much. We can't get it all. Of course, those of you, I remember where I was. I was listening. I was in bed listening to the news when uh, when uh, it came across that John Lennon had been shot and murdered in Manhattan. And it was a shock that still resonates. Um, and today, of course, is the anniversary of John Lennon's untimely and unfortunate murder taken away from us. Uh, there are so many other things in uh, music history, birthdays. Sammy Davis Jr., birthday today. Jerry Butler with the impressions. Um, Wawa Watson you and Nathan East. Nathan East is one of my favorite bass players in the world. Um, Nathan East has, he's also a songwriter. He's a vocalist, but his bass work is just amazing. And he's played with, I mean, a who's who collection. Uh, yes, Rich. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know. Speaking of yeah. uh, Nathan East, I actually saw Nathan East played with Eric Clapton. You uh, did? Yeah, absolutely. It was fabulous. That was the Behind the Mask tour with uh, Clapton, Nathan East, Phil Collins on drums, Greg Ooh. Greg Fillingains on keyboard. Ooh, that, the keyboards. That was a spectacular, spectacular show here at the Garden. He played. That was, I think, the um, the album there. It's in the way that you use it. I think that's what he. Uh, that's the album that he was. Uh, what was that album that uh, that song song is on? Um, that's the album he was pr- uh, promoting. That was a great, great show. Loved it. Yeah, Nathan East is just amazing. Wawa Watson is. Uh, for those inside the music industry and those of you who follow music closely, Wawa Watson is another amazing musician. His birthday, Greg Allman's birthday today, Mike Botts from Bread. Um, and of course, we're going to lead off with some music later from Jim, from Jim Morrison, The Doors, Bobby Elliott from The Hollies. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's like, what a day. Uh, so we'll get to, we'll get to some of that. Uh, Ralph Tavares from the group Tavares, uh, died today, uh, the, uh, the anniversary of his death in 2021. Mick Jagger became a father again at age 73. Metallica in the news today. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Marty Robbins, who, you know, they're a country singer. People love, I love Marty Robbins. He's another one with just amazing talent. Um, for you older folks, you'll remember, uh, that, uh, older folks like me, when when Frank Sinatra Jr. was kidnapped at gunpoint in Lake Tahoe, which was a cute, that was the anniversary of that is today, back in 1963. Beach Boys' first single, Surfing, was released on this day. Nicki Minaj, Sinead O'Connor, birthdays today. 
Phil Collins. I didn't say Phil Collins. Phil Collins from Def Leppard. And it just goes on. So anyway, we'll get to that. But the political news is off the charts. Okay, off the charts. Before we get to Hunter, and we will get to Hunter, this business that has been going all week long with the uh, with the presidents of both Harvard and Pennsylvania University is coming to a head. There are reports that the uh, woman who heads uh, Pennsylvania University, Elizabeth McGill, is, has, is going to be asked to leave. Now, that hasn't happened yet, as I know. We'll keep pay close attention to the news to see whether it happens. Uh, Elise Stefanik, a shout-out to New York Representative Elise Stefanik. Elise has gone viral with her very valid questioning of these college presidents, both now the president of Harvard and the president of Pennsylvania University of Penn, Pennsylvania University, have offered uh, uh, somewhat apologies for their poor performances. They were just asking a direct question. If calling for the genocide of Jews, calling for their genocide, calling for the elimination of Jews, calling to kill Jews simply because they're Jewish, calling for a genocide, is that, does that violate Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania's Rules or code of conduct. And what did the president say? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. And, and Harvard's was no better. Now, the only thing, only mild criticism that I have is one of the big donors who's been on the trail has gone after the Harvard University president saying she's pretty much a diversity hire. She's the black gal that's sitting at the top of Harvard, Ms. Gay. He doesn't say the same or hasn't. I haven't read the same thing about the other women who don't happen to be black who are sitting in position. So what is it? Only, only the black gals are, the black gal is the, is, is the, uh, is the, is the diversity hire, not the others. I mean, they're all diversity hires in that. That's what we're always told. More women and more blacks have to be blah, blah, blah. Yeah, more hired. And what's remarkable about this is these women are equivocating over a point that should, and they equivocated over a point that should have been a slam dunk to answer. Anybody calling for the genocide of everybody on this on this campus will be removed, period. It's not acceptable under any circumstances, period. It's a very simple question that they refuse to answer. And why can't they answer it, though? Why do they have to dance around it? Why do they have to be so careful with their language? They have to be careful with their language because they are running institutions filled with people who are anti-Semitic. They are running institutions where the student body and the faculty, faculty, want to see Hamas succeed. It's that simple. And so how do you go out and say and throw your students and throw your faculty under the bus and then go back to the college campus 
but answer the question. And they tried to thread that needle, and it didn't work. It didn't work. They tried to equivocate so that they could go back with their heads hung high to the elite bastions of Harvard, of MIT, of University of Pennsylvania, and have their faculty and their student body placated and not in open revolt. There's an old saying, you have heard it, it is a cliche, that it, it the, the head it, it it stinks from the top from the head. What is happening on American college campuses stinks from the heads. It is the leadership, and it infiltrates all the way down into the people that the leadership hires, that are allowed to have tenure at these universities and power, and it sinks down into what the students have been taught and are being taught. And what is so, if there could be any bright side to the horror, the true horror that is going on, it is that these colleges have been exposed for what they are. Now, remember, Penn State was the one that was instrumental in this whole business with the Leah Thomas, the, the, the swimmer, the, 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 the transgender swimmer and they refused to back down, made the other girls on the team, subjected them to having a so-called girl in a locker's room who was parading around with his with his baggage, with his genitalia, with his male genitalia in a locker room filled with women. And they pretty much told the women that protested to shut up. Just shut up and like it. And you can go through all of these universities. You can go through Harvard. You can go, and, and Harvard is nowhere, you know, it's hard to believe sometimes if you look at the history of Harvard University and what it was, the way it was founded, what it was founded, who it was founded by, and for what. These universities have completely lost track of their mission. They are there to promote a liberal slash socialist society, and that's all, and to pretty much teach socialism, teach liberalism, and rage against conservatism. And, by the way, become very vocal in their anti-United States of America sentiments. And that's these universities are filled to the brim with that. I was talking the other day with somebody didn't was telling me why it is that women have such a hard time finding a guy because guys are not in college and women are there are more women in college than men. And by the way, Rush used to talk about that all the time. And he, and he pointed out that a lot of it had to do with the feminization of education and why real men didn't feel comfortable on a college campus anymore. And can you blame them? You have to go to a safe space. You can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. At least you offend somebody. If you don't say someone's right pronoun, you get kicked out of school or they, or harassed. It's no wonder that a lot of men men, a lot of the guy guys, don't want to have anything to do with these colleges anymore. 
And so these liberal women go to these colleges. They graduate from these colleges. They come out. They're just brimming over with their liberal ideology. And then they have, then the body clock is ticking. The old primal urge, let's make a, let's get married and make a baby. And they can't find guys that are quote unquote their peers. Diana, Prince Diana, Princess Diana talked about that the other day. It was a big article about how, how, how liberal girls, young women can't find guys. Most of the guys, there's a, a schism there. They're conservative. They're the real men. They're conservative. They don't want any parts of what's going on in this, this crazed liberal environment. And so there's a big uh, gap there between uh, when these women come out, they can't find real men. Anyway, 800-848-WABC. Now, Hunter Biden. Oh, before we get to Hunter Biden, we'll do Hunter Biden after the first break. You already know he was indicted. You already know he faces a lot of jail time. And even with what he faces, he's getting off easy. Because all the Barisma money, Jonathan Turley has pointed this out in the great article today, all this stuff, this, this indictment was crafted to leave Joe Biden out of it, to leave the whole Barisma business out of it, and at the same time pretend, pretend that they're really coming after Hunter. And these are some really serious charges, yes, but they're not nearly as serious as they could be. But before we get to that, a quick note. I read and we talked about it on um, over the weekend. This article that was in the New York uh, Times, basically Donald Trump is going to be a dictator, blah, blah, blah. And, and then that took off in across social media and across the the mainstream press, there were a lot of copycat articles about how Donald Trump is going to be a dictator. Oh, let's get, if he wins, we're looking at a dictatorship, blah, blah. So Donald Trump was asked about it during the town hall he did with Hannity. And he said he's not going to be a dictator except for day one. He's clearly trolling these people. Oh, I'm not going to be a dictator except for, except for day one. I'll be a dictator. And they are losing their minds. There have been articles since then. There's another article today, Trump's vow to only be a dictator on day one follows growing worry, growing worry over his authoritarian rhetoric. He trolls these people, and they, they, they don't know how to take a joke. They have no sense of humor when it comes to anybody on the, on the right. They have absolutely zero sense of humor. They don't even know they're being trolled. And they're taking it seriously. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be a dictator except on day one. And they're actually taking it seriously. Insanity. Insanity. As we mentioned, you gotta love the music, right? Jim Morrison's birthday today. With the Doors, they had, of course, their biggest hit, Light My Fire. And 
and people are still, still debating the events surrounding his death. No autopsy. The exact cause of his death still disputed. Nonetheless, born in 1943, on this day, Jim Morrison, singer, lyricist with the door. Is on the air. Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I remember my first love affair. Somehow or another, the whole darn thing went wrong. Yeah, dude. Well, Mama had some great advice, so I thought I'd put it in the words of this song. What did Mama tell you? Did you say what? Boy. 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 Oh, I see you sitting out there all the voice belongs to Jerry Butler. The Iceman. For those of you, especially R&B fans, you know they're... Wow. Jerry Butler came to prominence with the impression, with Curtis Mayfield and the impressions out of Chicago. Jerry Butler... Singer, songwriter, par excellence. Born this day in 1939. You know who else was born? I think we mentioned Sammy Davis Jr. Born on this day. Now, Sam, to me, when I see Sammy Davis Jr., Sammy Davis Jr. to me, was the Michael Jackson prototype before Michael Jackson. Member, of course, of the, the Rat Pack. But this guy, I mean, his, you know, came up through vaudeville dancing, an amazing tap dancer, but a vocalist, actor. He was an all-around entertainer. And just one of... Where he fell off, I will never forget this. He hugged Richard Nixon. And he had, this was at a political event, he came on stage and he hugged Richard Nixon, gave Richard Nixon a huge hug, and OMG. Right to jail. Right to jail. It was, that was it. Go right to jail, Sammy. We've tolerated everything else, including you being with the white woman, Mia Farrow. But we're not going to tolerate this. Oh, my gosh. The anti-Republican crowd went off on Sammy Davis Jr. America's one of America's great entertainers, Sammy Davis Jr., born on this day in 1925. All right. Uh, Hunter Biden. Let's go through some of the headlines, shall we? I like going through headlines. I know you like hearing the headlines, too, because we don't have to go through the whole story. A lot of it just tells itself right there. few words, you know, brevity, all that. So here we go. Hunter Biden charged with evading taxes on millions from foreign firms. Millions. The Justice Department, this is from the New York Times, 
Justice Department charged President Biden's son after a long-running and wide-ranging investigation with substantial political repercussions. Okay. Next headline from Fox News. Hunter indictment, a nuclear bomb for the Bidens, as Joe sounds like Clinton during Lewinsky scandal. Experts. What the? All right. So a nuclear bomb has gone off with the Bidens. Now, Joe Biden did go out. He waved to reporters, didn't go near him to take a question. Nothing. You have to give it to the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail goes right to it. The Daily Mail is like, okay, let's not dress this up. Let's get it naked. Let's get naked with this. Hunter Biden spent staggering 872000 on prostitutes, porn, and sex clubs membership, and took $1.6 million from ATMs. This is all the headline. Their headline is a paragraph. I love these guys. This is, this is the tabloid of tabloids. If you want to be tabloid news today, Daily Mail UK is like, they are the, they are tabloids of tabloid. Let's go through the headline because I wasn't even finished with the headline. It's a full paragraph. Let's begin again, shall we? Okay, brilliant. Okay. Hunter Biden spent staggering 872K on prostitutes, porn, and sex club memberships and took 1.6 M from ATMs. First son's wild spending is laid out in tax evasion case that could land him 17 years in jail and is a disaster for Dad Joe's campaign. Well, they just wrapped the whole damn story up in the headline. Everything. This is how much he spent on the on the girls, on the women, the prosies, the porn. And the sex club memberships, this is how much he took out of ATMs. He's spent while this he could spend 17 years in jail. And by the way, this happens to be a disaster for Joe Biden. Boom. Why read the story? New York Post. Sometimes tied. Sometimes tied with the Daily Mail for tabloid kings. I love it when the New York editorial, Post editorial board weighs in. And they're just right to the point, too. Not, not a massive headline, just right to the point on this one. This is the case Fed should have brought against Hunter Biden in the first place. That's their headline, right. And it's absolutely right. This is the case they should have brought in the first place. And why didn't they? That, my friends, is something that I want to just quickly review with you. Then, of course, you get to hell where the Hunter Biden charges stand, blah, 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 and the usual Washington speak. Uh, and Jonathan Turley, I mentioned this in the beginning of the show, if you're going to pick one article to read, you can go find this one today in the New York Post, Hunter Indictment Designed Specifically to Avoid Joe Biden, the 56-page indictment by Jonathan Turley. The 56-page indictment of Hunter Biden for tax evasion makes for racy reading, etc. The lifestyle included massive expenses for strippers, sex clubs, fast cars, and other distractions. But there were glaring omissions in the indictment. Mr. Turley writes, 
First, the special counsel only indicts tax evasion that occurred in recent years. That's because the long investigation into Hunter inexplicably allowed the statute of limitations to expire on the most controversial of the payments, that being Burisma. And that's the special counsel, David Weiss, is the one that let it run out. Now, why? Let's go back quickly, because we've got to take a break here. <clears throat> you remember when Hunter Biden was in Delaware that day? Yeah, they went down to Delaware and said, okay, Hunter got to shut in court. So he shows up in court, comes in there with a bunch of lawyers, got a nice dark suit on, the plea deal's already done, he's going to walk out, going to be slapped on the wrist. But everybody on the outside saying, oh, I can't believe they're going to do this, or I can't believe they're going to let him go on all this stuff. They just bundled it all up in one nice little package and just give him a little slap on the wrist for everything, the gun, the fraudulent documents, and the tax stuff. Then they ran into a problem. The judge, Mary Ellen Norica, appointed by President Donald Trump, raised concerns about this deal. And all of a sudden, David Weiss, the guy that let intentionally the Burisma statute of limitations run out, all of a sudden, when facing the judge and she's questioning this deal, all of a sudden, he puts tail between legs and starts, well, you know, I mean, we, uh, humana, humana, humana. Uh, yeah, uh, we, humana, humana, well, we didn't, we, you know, we really didn't, um, uh, uh, sign, we, uh, no, we, we really don't have a deal be, be that, no, Your Honor, and the next thing you know, the whole damn deal is thrown out. Hunter's lawyers are pissed. He's ticked off. Everybody's ticked off on Hunter and Biden's side because they had a sweetheart, a sweetheart deal going in. And then when they got in court, the sweetheart deal fell apart. There are people responsible for that sweetheart deal falling apart. One is House Oversight Chairman James Comer. Congratulations, because he brought those two whistleblowers out. Special Agents Joe Ziegler and Gary Shapley, and they told of the internal pressures of the Justice Department to shut this thing down. Right before all that happened and, and Hunter had to go to court, we knew that the fix was in thanks to these whistleblowers. And then the court judge, Mary Ellen Norica, refused to sign on to this phony sweetheart deal. So thank you, Representative James Comer and House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan for keeping the heat on. Otherwise, this thing would have been in the can and forgotten already. Thank you. Diego, tell everybody who this is. I'm out of breath. <laughs> this is the Allman Brothers Band for uh, today's birthday, 1947. Greg Allman, keyboards, guitar, and vocals with the Allman Brothers Band. They uh, released the classic album, Eat a Peach, in 1972 and had the 1973 U.S. number 12 single, Ramblin' Man. This, of course, is a whipping post. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? 
Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdly. Surfing is the only life, the only way for me now. Surf. Surf. With Bob, Beach Boys first single surfing released on released on Candix Records. It was a small uh, local label based in LA. The song went nuts in Sao Cal. So Capitol Records signed the Beach Boys. The rest history. Surfing Safari, Surfing USA, Surfer Girl, the Surfer Movement, born this day, 1961. Also, we mentioned another birthday, Mike Botts, drums from this classic group, Bread. You know, always bread is going to be, my favorite bread song will always be Make It With You, but, 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 this one, another timeless classic from Bread. Mike Bot's born, do you have, do you have the other one? Oh, I never get tired of hearing this song. I also like everything, uh, everything I own, but we don't have that one. Oh yes, everything I own is so beautiful. So many people have covered this one. You know, Earth, Wind, and Fire covered this in the early days. Really? Yep. I'll look that yeah, up. Yeah, Philip Bailey did the lead on it. If you listen to it, it's kind of sketchy, but, but, but. Hey, it's a cover, you know, whatever. It's a cover. And, then, <laughs> and there's nothing like the original on this one. Let's head to the telephones in a second. Telephone time. Let's go to Steve in Brooklyn, New York. You're on Boston Early's Rush Hour, the Friday edition. How are you, Steve? Hi. Um, in yesterday's house skewering by Elise Stefanik of Claudine Gay and McGill, the word context kept coming up. I know the definition of it. It's the text used by cons to con the nation. <laughs> that is very clever. And that is exa- you are so dead on with that. 
because they kept saying, well, genocide, yes, yes, our students call for genocide, but, but you have to put it in context, you see. You see, you have to understand the context. The, what context? They are calling for genocide. But this, these, this is the way the left use lang- the leftists use language. It's slippery. There can be, it is like there is a moral relativism that runs through everything that the left touches. Nothing can ever just be universally wrong or universally right. There was, it depends on the context. So, should murderers spend the rest of their lives in jail for, well, you see, it, it depends on the context of what they did, you see. It, it depends on the context. Um, uh, 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 is, is abortion wrong? Well, you know, I, I know some of you people might think that that would be, uh, murdering a child, a baby, but, but, but it depends on the context. You have to weigh it against the context of, of what people think is right for a woman's right to choose whether she kills her baby or not. It's context, you see. Um, uh, should criminals go to jail for looting? Well, well, you see, it's the context. If, if they're black and if they're brown people, then they, they have suffered in America, you see? And it's the context. They're not robbing because they're bad people or because they're robbing. They're robbing because they are oppressed. And we must look at the context of their robbery and let them out of jail so that they can continue to rob and steal. Um, um, okay, so your students calling for Jewish genocide to eliminate all Jewish people. The final solution. Is that wrong? Is it bad? Well, well, look, you're asking me a tough question there because, because it depends on the context, you see. These students, I mean, they're students, and we're looking at language here used by students, and it depends on the context. If they actually go out and try to do genocide, well, we might have a little problem with that. But just saying that they want to kill Jews? Why, we're Harvard University. We're the University of Pennsylvania. We're MIT. It depends on the context, you see. It's all about the context. Yeah. Thank you for the call. Let us go to Sandra in New Jersey. Sandra, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I I wanted to wish everyone who celebrates Hanukkah a happy Hanukkah. And I know it's going to be hard for many of us, but I don't have an answer to that right now. But I, I wanted to share about this elderly Palestinian woman. She took Hamas to the task. She said on an interview with Algerine Media, that the uh, the food, the aid that are coming into uh, Gaza are not going to the civilians. They're going into the tunnels. And um, she knows that she can suffer a consequence for sharing this, but she said she doesn't care. And so people should know that all the money that's spent for aid for the civilians, they're not getting it. So that's what I wanted to say, James. Well, thank you so much. And by the way, there was a news report that the Israelis are thinking about um, uh, flooding the tunnels with seawater. But they're concerned, the concerns are being raised that that could harm the infrastructure in Gaza. Have you seen Gaza being turned into rubble? 
there's really not much infrastructure in some places yet. Isn't it amazing that no matter what Israel wants to do to rid themselves of this terror group, there are always people concerned. Well, you know, you Israelis, it depends on the context. You must pull back. We, 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 we have, we must protect the lives of some of these terrorists. How about the lives of the, of the Jewish people that were wiped out? And by the way, if you listen to the horror stories coming from some of these women and some of these women that were held captive of what happened, they are heart wrenching. So I thank you for the call very, very much. Catskills, New York. Let's go to Chris. You're up next. Afternoon, James. How are you? I am okay. Doing well. What's on your mind today? Uh, well, it's the 80th birthday of James Morrison, if he were still the front man of lead singer of The Doors. And in my area at the Orpheum Theater in Saugerties, New York, they're having a panel discussion and a Doors tribute band uh, cover band playing called Ship of Fools. And John Densmore, the surviving member, keyboard uh, keyboardist and uh, writer of co-writer of many of the songs, is going to be skyping in for uh, for this panel discussion. And there's a longtime journalist who used to cover the Doors and other um, musical acts during 60s, 70s, 80s that worked for the Village Voice for like 40 years. He's going to be there, and there's a couple other prominent journalists that are going to be there. My friend is the booking manager of the theater. It's wow. at the Orpheum Theater, Saugerties, New York. It's being co-sponsored by WDST, the Woodstock, New York radio station. They said tickets are sold out, but they have a limited number left at the box office available. $25 a ticket at 7 o'clock is when they're opening up. It's uh, the Orpheum Theater, historical old theater. Back in the 70s, they used to show porn movies in this theater. <laughs> well, now they're doing something worthwhile. And thank you for the heads up on that. It sounds like a fun time. Always great to hear from you up in the Catskills. And, you know, one of these days on some show, we're going to do, I don't know when, maybe on a Saturday show, we can do something about, the, Diego, I'm not sure you're aware. Do you know of this whole culture of music that from the New York Hudson Valley, it has produced some of the most amazing American folk and, and pop rock music right up here in the New York Hudson Valley. There's this whole big music scene up there that doesn't get that much attention. And, and, and they have produced some of the, I mean, Pete Seeger and all these guys. This, this music scene that happens in New York is amazing. Maybe one of these days we can do something on that. Always glad to hear what's going on in the Catskills and Socrates and all that. So thanks for the call. We appreciate it. And it's time to check in with Lou Dobbs and to check in with your money. Sticks on this day, 1979, went to number one on the singles charts with Babe. It was their only U.S. number one hit. But Sticks really did make a name for themselves. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. And don't forget, you can kick off your Saturday morning with our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We start start at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. We'll be here. Hope you are, too. 
John Lennon brings us back. And so this is Christmas. Today is a sad day, of course, in music history. Anniversary of John Lennon being murdered here outside of the Dakota building in New York. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. Let's start in Queens with Mike. Hello, Mike. Thank you for waiting. What's on your mind this afternoon? Well, number one, I wanted to talk about uh, Jamal Bowman. Did anybody see any media coverage of the 535 senators and House of Representatives running out of the building when he pulled the uh, alarm? No, <clears throat> no. And he has been censured. We covered that this week. Big whoop. He's the 27th, I think, Congress person that has been censured by the House. But, of course, he's another one that gets off without criminal charges because he's a Democrat. Of Tony course. Davis, Jr. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Here's a story. We were going down Park Avenue in the 60s. Stop for a light. The car on our right side rolled his window down, and he asked Sammy, he says, if you're sitting in a front seat because he had just had a hip operation, who the hell is sitting in the back? Sammy rolled the I thought he was on a fallen floor. He's a, what a sweetheart. Sammy Davis Jr., what a sweetheart. Thank you for that cool story. Let's go to Tricia in Connecticut. You're up next, Tricia. Got to make it quick. Time is fleeing, but thank you for calling. I love everything about your show, the stories, but I also love the music, and I wanted to tell you that you brought back special memories for me when I was at BYU and Bread, David Gates and Bread, came to perform at Homecoming. And those songs that you played are great, too, because they're slow dancing songs. They're very romantic. And James, if I don't talk to you again, have a very joyous, blessed Christmas. Well, I hope to speak with you before then, and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas as well, Tricia. Thank you so much. Eric in Brooklyn, New York, you're up next on Rapid Phones. Hey, well, first of all, I just wanted to tell you, I hope you know already how much we love you. You are one of the best hosts. But I just Thank wanted you. to tell you my first memory of Sammy Davis. And it's dear to my heart. I was just telling my Uncle Detective Phil about this. I was in kindergarten, and my beautiful teacher was teaching us how to sing Candyman. And she was teaching us all of the hand signals of rain and sunshine. And I'll never forget that. And the next time I would see Sammy Davis, it was in 1982, watching a rerun of Archie Bunker, and he was kissing Archie. And now you know that was the longest recorded TV laugh in history. And it'll never be dethroned, not to Norman Lear, of course, who passed, by the way, because now there's no such thing as live broadcasting. And we love you so much. Thank you. And I love that. I remember that. I had forgotten all about that moment. And that was a takeoff and a spoof on the kiss that he gave to Richard Nixon. That big hug. That is so funny. Awesome. Sorry we couldn't get more calls in. Sal, we hope to hear from you tomorrow, Tim, as well, and everyone else. <clears throat> but we'd like to leave you with just imagine. imagine no John Lennon, who left us on this day in 1980. 
What can we say about John Lennon that has not already been said? One of the greatest songwriters, musicians. An amazing human being. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and for allowing me to be with you. We'll be back, God willing, tomorrow. Bright and early at 7 a.m. for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Until then, bye.